Welcome to The Thoughtful Entrepreneur. I'm Josh Elledge, founder and CEO of UpMyInfluence.com. We believe that every person has a unique message which can positively impact the world. Now, on this podcast, your host, veteran radio personality Jennifer Longworth, encourages entrepreneurs to share not only their expertise, but their stories and their hearts. You're going to love this show. You're going to hear real stories from real people on The Thoughtful Entrepreneur. So let's go. I think that a, a good thing for somebody to do who's trying to be smart about their career is to be aware that all those creative instincts, they're all wonderful, but they have to be tempered by a plan. They have to be tempered by some kind of left brain work. This is Jennifer Longworth, and today's Thoughtful Entrepreneur is Rick Lenz. Rick is a graduate of the University of Michigan, past member of the Actor Studio, and an active member in the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. He is a veteran Broadway, television, and film actor who first came to national attention when he repeated his Broadway role in Cactus Flower, the film version, opposite Goldie Hawn, Ingrid Bergman, and Walter Matthau. He went on to appear in a long list of television series and movies and to act opposite many of the entertainment industry's biggest stars, such as Peter Sellers, Jackie Gleason, and John Wayne, and many, many more. He is also a playwright and author. Welcome to the show, Rick. Thank you. That's nice to be here. You're a different type of entrepreneur, as you said before we got on air. Uh, you're an actor and a writer and all sorts of good stuff. So how did you end up going down this path? Had you always wanted to be an actor growing up? No, I never had a, I never had the faintest clue that it would be possible. But I just uh, I re- I was, I did a lot of summer stock and stuff. My dad was a doctor, and I watched him do a couple of surgical procedures and I fainted and uh, so I dropped out of pre-med and decided that I should, uh, I'd, well, I actually tried to be a lawyer for a while. That, that was a bad idea. Uh, <laughs> not, that I, not that I ever became one. Uh, so I just decided to be an actor and directed a big theater and finally moved to, to uh, from Michigan to New York and worked on Broadway and so on. And uh, then finally came out to Los Angeles because I did a, the film version of a play I'd done on Broadway, Cactus Flower. Yeah. Which did you prefer, Broadway or film? Uh, it was probably a bit of each. I love being on stage. Most actors will tell you that, I think. And uh, so that's great. But I also got to work in the film with Walter Matthau and Ingrid Bergman. And uh, and I had a crush on Ingrid Bergman because I think maybe everybody who was ever around her did. And uh, uh, so that was, that was a lovely experience. It was my first film. So I, I think I kind of treasure that. Now, you've worked with some pretty big names here, and, and there's a story that a certain famous fellow sent you to the hospital? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was, that was uh, in, I think, 1976, yes, yes, I go back away. So I played the uh, obnoxious uh, reporter in The Shootist, John Wayne's last film, and uh, at the end of my scene with him, he uh, he puts the gun in my mouth. In fact, one time I was watching the Academy Awards and I and I looked up and saw my face with the gun stuck in my mouth. It was John Wayne's huge old Colt 45 or whatever it was. And uh, anyway, while we were filming that scene, we got to the, he 
backed me out the door and passed Lauren Bacall to the uh, front step, and he, he kind of spun me around, hit me on the back of the head, and then kicked me down the stairs. Well, while he was kicking, uh, hitting me on the back of the head, he still had the gun in his hand. He clipped my head with the gun, and uh, they sent me to the hospital, and I had a few stitches. And that was no big deal. I mean, it didn't, didn't hurt that much, you know. It's just one of those things. And, and uh, But then I saw him a couple of weeks later when we were doing another part of the filming, and he said, I only ever did that once before. And so that made <laughs> me feel a lot better. <laughs> and there's a story you have. You know, how many people, one other one, can say, hey, John Wayne. I know. I wish I'd stay save the stitches. I'd probably we were something on eBay today. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, so maybe. that's a pretty memorable event there. Do you have any other magical moments that really stick yeah, out for you? Yeah. Well, you know, I suppose uh, working with Peter Sellers was kind of mm -hmm. one of the more interesting because I did a film called Where Does It Hurt with him? And Peter was... Uh, not only a genius and brilliant, but he was a crazy man. And uh, <laughs> and he was just always surprising. One time I was working, we were uh, filming in a hospital. I heard Michael Caine's voice behind me. And other people had dropped by the filming because he had a lot of friends in the business. And uh, I heard Michael Caine. And I thought, what's he doing here? And, and I turned around. And it was Peter. He was doing Michael Caine, but he was doing it into the phone. And he was talking to the hospital staff. And he was telling them, I don't know, pretty much that he was going to lose the patient if they did, didn't stop interrupting him. <laughs> that kind of thing. And uh, he was also just brilliant in general as a uh, as an actor. And so that was that was a, a fun experience for me. Now uh, you have become a writer and author and published author. How did you make the transition? When I was uh, directing the Civic Theater, when I first got out of college, I. Uh, also, as an actor, you don't work all the time. Nobody ever does. So mm -hmm. I, uh, I, you know, I had to do something to keep from going crazy. And, and pretty much all actors do this. And in my case, uh, the only thing I was really any good at was writing. And I just, you know, I wrote plays, screenplays, all kinds of stuff. And, uh, and then I just finally eventually realized that I had more control over my life if I could write books. And that wasn't until maybe, you know, eight, 10 years ago that I started to do that. And, uh, and since then I've been writing books and having, you know, time of my life because I, nobody ever tells my characters to faster, louder, faster, louder, or, you know, whatever they say after <laughs> rehearsals. <laughs> <laughs> right. So you're the ultimate director of your characters when you're writing. I'm the only one. I get all to say and nobody gets to countermand my decisions and it's wonderful. Do you have an editor at all? Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness, yes. Oh, I have to have an editor. I just, you know, you just, no matter who you are, I believe you have mm -hmm. to have one. My first editor is my wife, Linda, uh, and uh, I will do things like, you know, I'll, I, I'm one of those because I have an actor's personality, I think. I, I, I need immediate feedback. I'll write a couple of pages and read it to her in the evening and uh she, you know, she usually likes it and gives me good help, and she's smart and very literary. And uh, But sometimes she'll say something like, well, I like this and this. I don't like this bit here. And I'll say, are you kidding me? That's the heart and soul of what I'm trying to say. Of course. And, and then she says, well, that's just how I feel. And then I go away for half an hour and come back and say, you were right. It's changed. <laughs> so that's... 
that's my she's my first editor. Then I have a couple of other people that I work with who are absolutely they're my uh, Maxwell Perkins, if you will. He was kind of the the famous editor of the first part of the 20th century in this country. So are you feeling that your creativity, your artist personality transfers yeah. over well to writing? Oh, yeah, absolutely. But it's as far as, you know, from me now, I'm I wrote after I wrote a memoir, I've been writing novels and uh, it, it serves as a really interesting background. And because I know kind of sort of the ins and outs of Hollywood and, and actually New York theater too, mm-hmm. I can really use that as sort of my setting and, uh, and kind of speak from a certain amount of, you know, knowledge and experience with it. So it helps a lot to write a story and, and to know all the, the settings, you know, like the back of your hand. Have you ever seen like plots from movies and plays that you worked on ever sneak into your own writing just because you became so familiar with it? Do you see echoes <laughs> of these things ever? Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of what I did was light com, what they used to call light comedy in the, okay. in the old days, you know, on Broadway, I guess more they called it that. And uh, so I, I, I have a lot of that kind of approach. And even though a lot of the stories I write are not essentially comedic, they're a lot of them are kind of thriller or mysterious or love stories, but I kind of love having humor injected and everything. There's a guy called Abe Burroughs, who was the father of Jim Burroughs, who directed all of the Cheers, I believe. And Abe was a raconteur in New York in the 50s and around in there, and he wrote and directed Cactus Flower. And he said, not everything has to end with a joke, but a joke has to end with a joke. It's a rule. <laughs> and it's kind, of, it's kind of a good metaphor for a lot of writing and a lot of life, in fact, I think. So we probably have some creatives listening, you know, because a lot of entrepreneurs are creatives. We don't sure. like to work for people. We have the creative mind. we got to get out of the box and, and such. Oh, so yeah. how do we channel this? energy, the creative energy to be successful? What what do you suggest? Well, I suggest, first of all, you not have my background because my background was all kind of, they get the job for me. They do all that kind of work. And by they, I mean agents and whoever's doing the hiring and that sort of thing as an actor. Uh, so I came upon my part of the entrepreneur stuff only kind of late in life. It was always, you know, it was, I was, basically a gun for hire. And uh, that's that's how I did my work. And then later, uh, when I started to write the books, I realized that I had to become a book promoter, too. And that felt to me like it felt when I was in pre-med and had to cut open my frog. And I, it was just a mush. And I had no, you know, I had no way, no patience for dealing with it. And I've had to develop some. So I think one of the things you have to do as a creative, as a creative kind of person who wants to be an entrepreneur, I believe that you have to uh, learn to be smart about uh, bringing your creativity and everything and have, you know, develop the other side of your brain, what's at the left side, I guess, that kind of controls that that element of of how you conduct your business. That's important stuff, and I'm only now really getting to accomplish it a little better and a little bit better. One of the things that is out of it is that I'm talking to you, and I know this will... You know, hopefully, you know, a couple of people will say, I'll maybe try reading one of his books and that kind of stuff. Well, a lady I talked to earlier today referred to herself as an authorpreneur. 
Yeah, you have to uh, market yourself and learn all this business. You're like, I just want to write a book and get my message out there. But it's a little bit more than that. You find out once you're in it, right? Yes, absolutely. You've got to, you've got to, you know, convince people that, that your book, even if it's fiction and it's, you know, not going to necessarily, you know, educate and make anybody's life better, that there's a level upon which it, it's going to be a value to whoever read it, even if it's just pure entertainment and it takes you out of, you know, whatever, whatever your day-to-day moments are and you need, we all need that then you've got to convince people that you do that well and entertainingly for their, you know, for, for their eyes. Their... So it's a little bit of a sales job that you're selling yourself. I'm afraid so. I'm afraid so. I never, you know, I never thought that was going to be a, uh, an issue in my life. But yeah, it is a sales job. I was a lousy salesman when I tried to do that when I was young. I must have done 25 jobs between getting out of school and deciding that the only way I could possibly go was to go to New York and, you know, <laughs> some, I, I remember a famous actor told me one time, I asked him, well, should I go to New York or, or Los Angeles? He said, well, you go to Los Angeles, they'll put you on a horse. Go to New York mm-hmm. to learn how to act better. And so I did go to New York and I learned a little bit more. And then they finally sent me to Los Angeles and put me on a horse. It's like, if you're working with John Wayne getting knocked upside yes. by a gun, probably in a horse yes. at some point. At some point, yeah. Yes, I was. Uh, I had a TV series with Richard Boone for a couple of years called Heck Ramsey, and that was. I was on a horse constantly. My my uh-huh. horse could hit it could hit his mark better than I could. Awesome. So, what's it like working with horses in Hollywood? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I've never been asked that one before. I like it. Uh, it's it's fun. I mean, I, I there were a couple of times when I didn't have to be on camera for a while and I was able to go out to work and get on my horse and ride across some fields and that's one of those moments when you think this is a great career I picked I get to go horsey back riding in the middle of the day because you're kind of bonding with your you know co-actor then in a way yes right? absolutely oh absolutely yeah a brownie was the name of the horse I used for uh for I, I rode for two years on heck Ramsey and uh we were pals so what advice do you have for the thoughtful entrepreneur who's listening? I think that a, a good thing for somebody to do who's trying to be smart about their career is to be aware that all those creative instincts, they're all wonderful, but they have to be tempered by, you know, a, a plan. They have to be tempered by, you know, some some kind of uh, left brain work took me a long time to learn that. And I think I remember being in a three-legged race when I was in camp and I was a kid. And I remember first time I ever applied logic. And I said, we got to count to my my friend. Mm-hmm. My, and, said, and we went after the middle leg, the one that was tied together. And then that's one and then two. And then we counted and we won. It was just, yeah. a, just a tiny amount of organization. But it really matters that you do you know, just the most simple things in the world that can be. But if you can just have a a short list of things that you, you always do that that uh, puts you ahead of somebody who's not bothered to think that kind of thing out, you, know, you can be in a lot better position. So how can people connect with you? How can we find your books? How can we learn more? Yeah, I have a website, ricklens.com. You can buy my books, North of Hollywood, which is the memoir, and The Alexandrite, which is a time travel mystery thriller that uh, features Marilyn Monroe and that I did miles of research for. 
And all these are available at uh, Barnes and Noble and, and Amazon, of course, and uh, mostly online stuff. Uh, and uh, my new one, Impersonators Anonymous, and it features an unmade or rather a two-thirds completed film that starred John Wayne and James Dean, which nobody ever heard, of course, and uh, and a young uh, woman uh, producer comes across it. She finds the old editor who stole the A negative, and they complete the film. And uh, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. I recommend it highly. And my brother-in-law was. It hasn't been reviewed a lot yet, but the other ones have, and they've won awards and stuff. And uh, so I recommend my work. Very good. Very, I wish yeah. I could, but I haven't read it yet, and I'm not really good about that. Let me know when the audio book comes out. And I sure I'll... will. Well, there is one of the Alexandrites, so if you're if you're ever looking okay. for a, a nice read, and, and, and since I'm an actor, I read it. And uh, okay, well that that's good. I I'm an audiobook type person. I collect real books, but I I don't read them. I just audio all the time. <laughs> that's why I'm a podcaster, y'all. Not a well, you're, you're just you're just too busy right now. You're, you're, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, Rick, thank you so much for joining me. This has been a pleasure. Oh, you're welcome. It's been a pleasure for me, too. I really appreciate it, Jennifer. And uh, I wish you the very best. Thanks for listening to The Thoughtful Entrepreneur. If you are a thoughtful entrepreneur who would like to be a media celebrity and be on our show, please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest and attend my next live webinar where I'll reveal how to get more respect from influencers and media so that you can get more sales and traffic. Now, please do us a favor. If you like the guest that was just interviewed, would you share this episode on social media and in your podcast player right now? Please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We promise to read it all and take action. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill our mission to help create more media celebrities. Make sure to hit subscribe, binge listen to our previous episodes, and we'll send you the next episode automatically. Thanks for listening, and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Revolution.